to Star Wars from the back to tank. Welcome. All right, so we have a, a fun show planned today. Isn't that right, David? Oh, yeah. And a, and a show that we can be positive with. Very positive. Um, and it is actually titled, and we're going to rename this to Star Wars in Shakespeare, because this is the most tragic, most morbid Star Wars story ever. Most epic, too. If you think about the last couple years i would actually put this story as one of the most epic i've listened to and read yeah it's it's an amazing star wars story and um it's truly tragic and it's star wars jedi loss written by Kevin scott and yes this is the canon audiobook that's also available in a hard cover script format as well you can actually buy the radio play script i would love to actually buy the hardcover radio play of it it's on my it's on my amazon wish list because i need to see all the names and the names of beasts the names of characters (laughs) and i I am even tempted to go into the star wars wiki and update it because under the jedi loss section they have no none of the characters listed which blows me away because for every episode of Star Wars Rebels and Clone Wars, they have every character, even the menial ones, you know, listed under each section. But for Jedi Lost, it has just the very basics, the synapsis, who was involved, the director, the writer. But this is something so intrinsically tied to Star Wars. And it's such a robust story. How do we not have a full wiki page with all of the characters and all of the mythos that was included in this story? It's it's amazing, right? Oh, yeah. That someone hasn't updated it. The, 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 the most baffling thing to me when I actually finished this story, how good it is. I mean, me and you have discussed of how like people gloss over great. Uh, some of the great stuff that we've gotten the last couple of years in regards yeah. to Star Wars, like like Solo. Solo was a good story and stuff like this. But this is probably the most underrated Star Wars story for the last, actually, since since the buying of Disney. Yeah, it's underrated. It's, it's without number a doubt. one. Number one most underrated. Not only is it number one most underrated underrated dave but it might be my number one favorite star wars story we have gotten within the disney era for most of us star wars fans excuse me for most of us star wars fans this is the type of content we've been wanting it's well thought out tragic excited adventurous world building it's all of those things into one what i find with some of our some of our star wars stories is it excels in one in one category this literally dave excels in every category everything a star wars fan wants this has it i wouldn't say this is my absolute number one favorite story because i the tarkin book was fucking great uh the sith lords book was awesome but for me, this falls right into that. In fact, dude, if you were to take Tarkin and Sith Lords and this, that's a trilogy right there. Yeah, that 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 is easily a great, great trilogy. That's a Sith Lord trilogy. It yes. really is. Even Tarkin. I mean, Tarkin's about him, obviously, but there is so much story there with Dooku. There's so much story there uh, with Palpatine. In fact, you get some of our some of our greatest insights into Palpatine is in the Tarkin novel. Oh yeah, was, those novels, especially like the ones that led up to Rogue One and everything that dealt with Tarkin, yeah, Palpatine, Vader, even Thrawn to some degree too. The, the, because the Thrawn book, we can't forget that. The, when those books came together, it's amazing to me that basically a lot of fans, a lot of fans like me and you gravitated towards those because 
the story building that they did there absolutely blows away anything. I'm going to say it. Anything we've seen on the cinema side. Can you imagine, David, if we had a trilogy based on Tarkin, Sith Lords, and Jedi Lost? And maybe not a, a traditional trilogy, but an anthology trilogy. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, it would it would rejuvenate the Star Wars franchise, the fandom, oh, like absolutely. like nothing else. But the the, the uh, I understand why it's not uh, it's not actually um, the trilogy that they put out there because Disney didn't want to take a risk, and doing that is a big risk. What Disney not wanting to take a risk? Come on, David. Exactly. No, David, be serious. <laughs> be serious. <laughs> but like, if you look at like what all the writers were able to churn out, it it just aggravates me just a little bit that we never were were not able to see this. In any visual form, whether no, it be animation, uh, yeah. I mean, put put aside the live action. I understand that's very costly, but even in animation side, I would just die to see Jedi Lost in animated form. Now, do you want to die after you see it or before you see it? Because if you die before you see, it, if you make the wrong type of deal. You may never be able to actually see it. No, that's true. Yeah. I have to see it first. Yeah, so you, you want to make sure when you rub that bottle and the genie comes out, be very specific with your wish because you know those genies, they like to fuck us. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, Dave, let's officially get into this. Now, for those scratching their head wondering, didn't you guys cover this already? That was actually part one. Yes. Now, I was originally, when I was planning this discussion, going to call this Star Wars Jedi Lost Part 2 because that's it's the second part of our discussion. But it's been, what, six, seven months since we covered the first half. So this is going to be the Back to Tank covers Jedi Lost Redux because we're going to talk about it all again, including everything we haven't discussed. Because now that we have the full picture, we can really get into the ins and outs uh, of everything that Kevin Scott had set up. All right. So Dooku Jedi Lost is a canon audiobook written by Kevin Scott and narrated by a full cast. That's right. This isn't just an audiobook. In fact, I hate that concept or that synopsis that their official synopsis is it's an audiobook. It's not an audiobook. No. It's a radio play. It's a radio play. But I think they use the term audiobook because they're so popular right now. And with radio plays, people are like, wait a second, you mean like uh, Orson Welles does? Isn't that really old and shit? I don't want to listen to that garbage. Give me an audiobook. Even though someone with that accent probably also doesn't listen to audiobooks, but, you know, go with it, okay? All right, David? Oh, yeah. And quit trying to stereotype certain people in this country. <laughs> All right, so this radio play, it follows Asajj Ventress as she delves deep into the past of Count Dooku and discovers why he chose to leave the Jedi Order. And honestly, I can't blame him. The audiobook was published on April 30th, 2019. Has it been almost a year already? Yes. Wow. All right, so delve into the history of the sinister Count Dooku in this audio original set in a galaxy far, far away. Darth Tyrannus, Count of Sereno, leader of the Separatists, a red saber unsheathed in the dark. But who was he before he became the right hand of the Sith? As Dooku courts a new apprentice, the hidden truth of the Sith Lord's past begins to come to light. I think... One of my biggest takeaways, and let's just start right here, Dave, and we're just going to, there's no formal way that we ha we have this set up today. We're just going to pick a spot and we're slowly just flesh it all out, okay? Yeah, because there's so much here to, di to digest. Yeah. Yeah, a lot. So let's start with the world building, okay? For me, the world building was one of the high points. There's got to be a greater connection just off topic for a second here there's got to be a greater connection as well when you're looking at all these world building elements these breadcrumbs of a bigger story than what we than what we just saw in jedi lost or listened to in jedi lost there's got to be greater connections to the upcoming high republic storyline because there are allusions to fallen jedi 
during the High Republic. And there's a mystery. There's an aura of mystery that surrounds these characters that they briefly talk about. And they mention that they don't know what happened to them, that it's a mystery and that the Jedi use it as a essentially um, they've become boogeyman. Yes. Almost like a boogeyman story. Yes. Almost like a boogeyman story to keep the, the Padawans in line. And when you ask a Jedi, they don't even really know what happened to them. And it all transpired during the era of the High Republic. So when you go back and listen, and I, and if you've already, Dave, and I want to recommend this to our listeners, if, if you've already listened to this when it first came out, I would go back and listen to it again now because of all the additional things that have come out and surfaced post Rise of Skywalker and, of course, the, the introduction of the High Republic. And you're going to catch things because I certainly did uh, now that I've listened to it two times. So the mythos, Dave, it's so rich, so robust. It's literally everything that we beg for. Sure. It's what we want in our movies. Yeah. We want to know about Sith beasts. We want to know about the force. We want to know about the bigger picture, not just the the immediate narrow vision story of of a particular character. Yes, those are great. We want those nuanced insights into our characters. But what about the bigger story? And that's something that Lucas has always done well, even in his uh, um, especially, I should say, in the prequels, just little things here and there thrown words things in the background just little phrases that some characters throw out there well one of the greatest examples that we use all the time is the moment during the opera sequence in in revenge of the sith have you have you heard the story of darth what do you play just the wise play just the wise yeah and that one line dave has that one fucking line (laughs) has spawned numerous stories yes New comic books, books, it spawned theories. One line. One line. One fucking line. And that's the genius of Lucas. Because the way he phrases things, it makes your mind spin. You're like, what? Darth Plagueis the wise? Who is this? And that's exactly what Kevin Scott manages to capture. And in yeah. this audio play, it's the Lucas world building. I'm going to drop a line here. I'm going to drop a line there. And that's all I'm going to give you. Have fun, kids. And it's amazing to me that not many Star Wars fans have taken the time to check out Jedi Lost, who, you know, when you compare, say, like what we got in the new trilogy, right? When it comes to world building, world building, this audio play did more, in my opinion, did more world building than the actual movies. Any of the movies. Any of the movies or? I, I would actually go far as to say any of the movies because if you look at it. Let me think for a second. I think you're right. Look at I look at what he was able to. Especially the write. sequel trilogy. I would definitely agree with that. Yeah. Without a doubt. I mean, Kevin Scott was able to actually give some teeth. To the world to make us want to know what are Sith beasts? What are what are these like little gems of that's outside that all we know of Star Wars? What type of panties does Ventress wear? I mean, that was my that was my that was the that was definitely my question question I had. <laughs> I think that's everybody's question because Ventress. I'm sorry, Ventress is one of the one of the characters that I was really glad that they used. I mean, yes, the story here is about Dooku. But is it though only? I mean, it, yes, exactly. It's cleverly titled Jedi Lost. But like it doesn't meet, need to be singular. Exactly. Because when you think about it, look, look who we look who we lost. Now, it, are they talking about Dooku? Are they talking about Ventress? Are they talking about Sifo-Dyas? Or are they talking about the Jedi? That they're they're lost because their their path their, their is path the reason why Dooku left, and in their his eyes they're lost. Exactly. So I mean, the title itself, Dave. We could spend thirty minutes talking about the fucking title. <laughs> Kevin Scott is a fucking genius, and, and that's why I'm like going when you look at Kevin Scott's. Um, like background, it amazes me that basically he hasn't done so much more for Star Wars because he's been one of those guys that 
gets sprinkled here and there and you don't notice it because of how he sprinkled out. Yeah. But most of the work that he's done in the past is stuff that me and you have gravitated towards. Oh, yeah. He did Vader's Castle. Oh, that's right. Yeah, the, the, the little Halloween special. Yeah, yeah. And think those about were like good. Think about think about the, the. What was our favorite one, Dave? It was the Dooku one. Yep. Think about what he was able to do with that one, and then they gave him a chance to do an audio play, which is totally out of left field. Because think about it. I'm like going a person like Kevin Scott. You'd expect, hey, write a novel for me. If I was running Star Wars, write a novel for me. Tell me what you uh, tell me a story in novel form. Instead, they go, ah, you know what? Let's uh, give. Uh, how about an audio play? Yeah, but unfortunately, <laughs> David, um, you're not running Star Wars. Yes. Otherwise, you know, things would be. Now, now, here's the funny part. I'm kind of thankful they gave him the audio play because, my God, Kevin, the, the, what Kevin Scott was able to write down and make happen. Arguably one of the best Star Wars stories, I say, the past five years, five, ten years. Yeah. Well, dude, his background is in radio plays. People may not know this. Uh, he started back in 2002 with Doctor Who radio plays. Yes. No, 2001. Yeah. Radio plays. And he, in 2000, he did a Judge Tread. I take that back. 2000 AD, Judge Dredd for King and Country in 2003. The Tomorrow People, The Warlocks Dance, Highlander. Oh, my Jesus. I got to check that one out. (laughs) I mean, this this guy has done, uh, holy shit. He's done like 70 episodes of radio plays, it looks like. Yeah. Uh, I'll be honest. Like, it didn't dawn on me till after I finished listening to... Uh, Jedi lost that I realized that basically I'm a big Doctor Who fan, but the reason I'm a big Doctor Who fan is because of the audio plays that you find out there that are really rare to find. Yeah. And then I found out, oh shit, Kevin Scott was the one who wrote a couple of the audio plays that I actually grew to love from Doctor Who. Yeah. This guy knows his shit, man. He knows his stuff. From the get go, within the opening, what, five minutes? <laughs> you're you're drawn in you're like this is really good stuff yeah and yeah. i give i give i uh, give a lot of props to also the production of the the audio play because like yeah. it's more than just a guy reading words on a book they really well, go actors. into the, yeah they go into yeah. full immersion mode for you as the listener to be and you know down to the point that they give you like weather weather sound effects like, is there a guy like making sound effects with his lips like wind? <laughs> but like even like the scenes of uh or the scenes that I listened to with Ventress running in the rain chasing the guy down. Yeah. Holy crap, that sounded so cool. Yeah, it dude, the production's great. Yeah. And outside of all of that, let's talk about the story in itself. Um the story's amazing. Not only is it a tragic story for Asajj Ventress, which we'll get into her in a moment, but the story of Dooku is a very, very sad one. Oh, yeah. And possibly a familiar one at times, but I only say that because of the obvious Anakin story. There's always going to be those those familiar steps towards the dark side, but outside of those obvious moments or those obvious steps, Dooku's journey to the dark side is a very unique one. It is. His is more of a crisis of confidence and faith. For the most part, he was not seduced by anyone. No. I had assumed because Count Dooku, you know, Darth Tyrannus, I had assumed that this story would eventually journey into the direction of exploring how Sidious recruited Manipulated him. And manipulated him. But you find out that Guess what? He got he got there all on his own. He got there all on his own. And the thing was, they took a character that even bef- uh, before I ever listened to this, I didn't feel any sympathy for Count Dooku. 
You know, I mean, the most we've gotten out of him is seeing him in Clone Wars and seeing him in the prequel movies. He was one dimensional. He was one dimensional. Not in a negative way. It's just it's just that's who his character was. He was single serving. He was there to serve a purpose and nothing else. He was he was basically the biggest villain. He's the big bad boss for the prequels. Right. Right. And like in this story, after I finished listening to him, I'm going, I really actually feel sorry for Dooku. Like his fall, while I really love the fact that you pointed out that his fall is far different from Anakin's. Yeah. It all starts still in a similar vein, like Anakin losing his family. Dooku lost his family because of his father. His father basically just hates him, which is sad. Yeah. (laughs) And I'm like going, number one, that's how you start off and you make this guy really sympathetic well, show him like as a child being abandoned oh yeah i agree and i'm glad you you mentioned the similarities to anakin because yeah his story might be in my opinion after listening to this radio play his story might be one of the best character stories outside of anakin's anakin will always be number one okay i yes. just there's just so much to it uh, visually and i think that just gives it an upper hand always but I think close second might be Dooku's story. I mean, royal birth, as you mentioned, given up by his family, rejected, wanted a familial connection so bad that he kept his relationship with his sister a secret. And by the end, murdered one of the few people that he cared about. that always did right by him. Yep. And it, dude, it is. Uh, Kevin Scott knows his Shakespeare. That is a that is a William Shakespeare setup. Oh, yeah. And, like, that's why after this, I know you say that hesitantly that you might say this is one of the best character developments we've gotten in a Star Wars character, you know, up there with Anakin. Yeah. I'm actually saying no without hesitation. Even a lot of the Star Wars listeners out there might think this is crazy, but... I get much more depth to this character art than even Luke. Oh, no, dude. I agree. Because like Luke. And I'm sorry, Luke but the, Luke's story doesn't Luke, even come close yeah, to Yeah, Luke's this. story is is great. Don't get me wrong. It's the hero's it? journey. It's is the it hero's, Well, it? when you throw in the new sequels. Yeah, I don't think his. Honest, I love Star Wars and I love Luke Skywalker. But Luke Skywalker is but, the hero's journey. Luke was the go-to story before the prequels. Yes. Once the prequels happen and you introduce this tragic figure. It became Anakin. It, it's Anakin. It's, it's Anakin's story. Yeah, which, isn't that what Lucas has always said? It's the story of Anakin? Yeah. That his six films is the story of Anakin, the rise and fall? Yeah. And then the redemption. And yeah. when you come to, the, when you think of even like some characters that Dave Filoni created that we've all grown to love, like Ahsoka and Rex and all the... Even like the Rebels crew, we, we I love those stories. Nothing is more left me more impactful than this story. Yeah, because you had so many, you had so many moments in Dooku's life where he could have actually, he could have actually. I think you mentioned it either in the beginning of the show or off the air that he could have been the greatest of the Jedi or a Sith Lord. That was it. Yeah. Yeah, and it, it, imagine if like just just a little bit if his father actually showed him just a little bit of affection, how that would have changed his life, or how Yoda Yoda could have actually trusted him a bit more and told him stuff, yeah, more. How it would have changed his life so dramatically. Yeah, I agree. That that is pretty much exactly what I said off air. It's he, his arrogance. His need for control, his passion, his uncompromising spirit. There was only really two paths, two paths for a man follow. like this. It's, hey, I'm the leader of the Jedi because I'm uncompromising and I'm logical and rational for the most part. Yes. Or I'm going to be a Sith Lord, which a lot of these traits are more conducive with a Sith Lord because because he is so uncompromising what is uncompromising? It's absolute. And what's a Sith Lord? Absolute. Yeah. 
it just it makes so much sense. Kevin Scott took the the end of his story, right? Like Kevin Scott understood his ending. He got beheaded. Okay? And he filled in all these blanks and said, "Well, this is how he got here." And to see a hero turn like this because again, there was no one nudging him. Yes, you can say the dark side's always there. The, the dark side is seductive, right? It's we know this. Yeah, and you know what was awesome about what you uh, that point of yours is like during the whole thing, I kept waiting and waiting. Who's going to turn him? Yeah. Who's going? Oh, it's going to be his the the one Jedi Master that he wants to follow. Kastana, yeah, yeah, Kastana. But no, Kastana is actually a good is actually a good person. She plays it a little fast and loose, but she's not a bad person. But her but her, her heart is in the right place. Yeah, she definitely played a part in his fall because she exposed him to things that maybe he should have been, exposed, have been exposed to. to. You know, but like, it's much like a youngling being exposed to pornography at like say five <laughs> or six, and then he just becomes a depraved lunatic. Like, you don't want to do that. You don't want to do that. And she did expose Sifo-Dyas and Dooku to things that they were not ready for. But in her... her but she's her not rationale. bad. It was, yeah, just, it was bad. just a mistake. She it, shouldn't have done that. It was like... Uh, the thing I liked about Kastana, and especially her reasoning, was like, she wasn't doing it out of spite or out of negativity. She was doing it because her belief was everyone should learn. There's a learning thing here that you, you mean can't you should forget. learn from history. You should learn from history. Yeah, I, dude, I was team Kastana. I'm like, oh, yes. I was team Kastana toward the I end. I was like, it, you're right. When you look at this story, Dave, it's very much on par with everything post Disney buyout, right? The Jedi made a mistake. The Jedi messed up. Are the Jedi evil? No. No. Did they become complacent? Yes. And that was the entire point of Kastana's character. And that's the reason why ultimately, among a few other reasons, why Dooku turned to the dark side. Turned to the dark side, yeah. They were complacent. They were happy sitting at the top of this tower, meddling in pol- political affairs, not really getting their hands dirty and doing the things that they were supposed to do, like protecting people protecting and, people, yeah. and learning. And that's what Kastana was so adamant about. Like, we need to learn about these things so that we can prevent them from happening. If we don't know what's out there, how can we protect ourselves? Yeah. And that's why uh, people might think that when you listen to this, oh, Kastana used like is evil because of what she did to Sifo-Dyas. But the brilliant thing about Sifo-Dyas, toward the end, you begin to realize Sifo-Dyas is doing this on his own choice. It's his own choice. When he starts, when he starts going into his quote-unquote trances and looking into his powers and starts suffering, Dooku tries to stop him because he's seeing his friend in pain. And Sifo-Dyas actually at points tells him, no, 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 it's okay. I'm willing to do this. Well, and that's another thing that's just so good about the uh, character development between, or I should say the relationship and the character development of sifo and Count Dooku. Because in many ways, sifo and Dooku were best friends, right? Yes. And in many ways, sifo started putting Dooku at arm's length. And it had probably everything to do with his visions. I mean, he saw everything. He saw And he probably was terrified of what Dooku could become. Because this Jedi saw so many different uh, possible futures. Some of which were decent and, and good. And some of them were horrible. I mean, there was one, getting off topic for a second, uh, that just made me like like think, what if we had an alternate universe Star Wars storyline? A what if title? Give us a what if. Oh, that'd be really cool. I, like, I don't really want to get into it too much, but it'd be cool if we had like a one off what if. Because one of the visions he saw was Palpatine never taking control and the Jedi actually defeating Palpatine. And then you hear them say, this is now the Order of the Jedi. It was very stark and, and disturbing. The fact that the Jedi would be in control now completely. Uh, which also, I'm sure, Count Dooku saw that vision because it was during a vision that they were all sharing because of the connection they had at that moment with sifo him and Kastana. So there are so many things that were nudging Dooku. And this brings us right back to the outside influence. 
And that's what makes Dooku's story so interesting and unique because as you were saying a few moments ago, Dave, that, that you kept waiting to see who would be the one to turn one. Dooku. But it wasn't any one person outside of the obvious influence of the dark side in itself. If you want to look at it as a, as a tangible, you know, threat. His downfall is his uncompromising outlook. Ultimately his black and white. And to him, the Jedi were in the gray. They had become Republic lackeys. He's right and wrong. He's absolute. And that's why he ultimately turned to the Sith. It's all his doing. Now, I'm not saying there wasn't disappointment there. There wasn't rejection from family. All of those things, like most of us, when we live life, those are the building blocks of who we become. Yes. But that doesn't mean we all become bad and evil. So there are outside influences that definitely nudge him in different directions. But ultimately, it's his right and wrong attitude, his absolute attitude. And it is an empathetic story. We can definitely understand the picture that Kevin Scott was painting. Uh, as I had alluded to a moment ago, the Jedi had become complacent, unwilling to actually assist and help. They were more involved in politics than doing what they should be doing. Uh, Dooku has said, had said specifically in this play here, this radio play, he had said, we should be exploring and discovering, but instead we are here working for the Republic. And these are things he greatly disagreed with throughout most of his, his growing up as a Jedi. Why are we not more involved out there? Yes. Why are we here? Why are we, why are we politicians? Why are we puppets? You know, and when you look at Dooku's argument, they're, they are valid. Oh, yeah. and, and that's the beautiful thing about Kevin Scott. And that's the wonderful thing about the prequel era that just always goes over so many people's heads. Politics and war is complicated. And there's so many different ways you can look at it. The Jedi aren't evil, but the Jedi were slowly pushed into a position that was kind of a no-win situation. Yeah. And, the, and at the end of the day, it's about choices that you make. That uh, when you look at the story and and it's moral, I guess you could say yeah. about it yeah. is about you have to be careful of the choices you make because it'll affect everyone else around you. And like, I saw that thread of of a moral even like when Dooku deals with Ventress and Ventress deals with her master. That whole that whole relationship between Ventress and the master or her former master uh -huh. was actually really well done. And then the, you use you, you Dooku uses it to show just like what you said, how the politics of everything about manipulation and stuff like that, even though it was coming from a good place, it still was harmful. And that's, that's supposed to be the Jedi way of teaching. Yeah. And it was like so awesome when you get to that moment, when he, you have Ventress's, master arguing with Dooku in Ventress's mind like both of them are trying to take over her soul they were fighting for her soul at that point yeah it's that's a great way to put it and like Dooku just basically slams it slams the reality in 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 her in her master's face that basically you say you were doing this for the betterment of her but you never gave her a choice yeah and it's like Oh, oh, all snap. The, oh, no, you didn't. Would you take it? Would you would uh, that during when that store or when you get to that point in the story? And I all of a sudden remember, look how look at how Dooku grew up with the Jedis. It looks really great at first. But what happened? He was never given a choice. Right. They yeah. took away his free will. Yeah. And just like we said, they made him into a puppet. <laughs> <laughs> it's the way of the Jedi, but hey, you know what? It also obviously can turn some people bad, right? Bad. It's not, again, it's not evil. It's just, it's complicated, right? It is complicated. It's like, that's why I, after I uh, listened to the story, I really looked at other like franchises, how they dealt with that, you know, like, like supernatural, like how when you guys deal with the crosswords, team free will, right? 
it's now you're getting in the territory that no one else knows what you're talking about. Yeah, <laughs> that, that is true. Let's That's not get it. Yeah. But like the argument, the, the, basically the philosophical argument of free having choice, free will yeah. versus having order. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Uh, and you had, again, bringing it back to Ventress just for a second here, because you had touched on some pretty good things there. Um, her story is definitely equally tragic when you set it side by side Dooku. And that's again, another great writing aspect uh, that Kevin Scott utilized a, a parallel dual parallel narratives because the story, yes, is about the bigger, the bigger picture of star Wars. Right. But also with the world building and the mythos, but also a, the story of Ventress and Dooku are very similar. Uh, a woman who was abused and used as you had mentioned. Yeah feels unimportant and unworthy of being loved so much she turns to evil because she feels like that's what she deserves Mm -hmm. she doesn't want to be bad she doesn't how many times does does she do things that make her feel uncomfortable she doesn't want to kill but she does because she doesn't value herself yes that is depressing it is talk about a morbid story it is. It's a very morbid story. Dooku I mean, like, and Ventress are basically codependent and broken. Exactly. On each other. And and in that type of relationship, only bad things can happen. And that's why ultimately their path, when, when it crossed, it created the perfect scenario where you have a broken master and a broken apprentice. Oh, man, that's relationship goals right there. <laughs> Holler. Holler. Forget Joker and Harley. Give me some Dooku and Ventress. And that's the amazing thing, too. I mean, I'm glad you brought up the Harley Quinn character. That's what the writers of Harley Quinn try to do, but they fail at. And you look at what they did with Ventress in one audio play. And I'm like, going, this is why we need a Ventress standalone film. Yeah, I really do wish after this that we got more because by the it's end... It's not going to happen ever, but... No, because, like, we, unfortunately, we all know what Ventress's ultimate, you know, fate her is. End, her end her story. End yeah. Her end story has already been written. So, like, when you put this into context with that one, with the book, I think it's uh, Dark Disciple. Is that it? Yeah. And then, like, you when you take it into contrast with this... Pretty much, you have the book the the, the bookends of Ventress's story, it mixed in with what we got in Clone Wars. So it's like the only thing I truly, truly wish, and it, it goes to like what I said about wishing to see this in a visual scope, even if it was animated, would be fantastic. Ventress's story too. I wish we could see that visually. But we have to rely on it on like the outside media where not many people get a chance to, for some strange reason, Star Wars fans, oh, it's audio play. I don't want to listen to an audio play. Put it on Disney Plus. (laughs) People are like, wait a second, where's the video? Where's the video? My Disney Plus is broken. Come on, play back the entire message. (laughs) All right, so let's go to a very quick break. And then, Dave, when we get back, we'll talk about some of the um, interesting tidbits pertaining to Ventress and her abilities. Very interesting. We'll be right back. The Rain Man Show. The Rain Man Show. Just is so powerful and a little demeaning. Right. You know, I use this to pump me up in the mornings. I put it on. Like reverse psychology? I, I go to the segment of the show where Tony just cursed me out. Mm-hmm. And I play it. Just to remind me. Fuck you. To remind me of past sins and also the berating that I obviously like and need to start my day. I look in the mirror and I just. Fuck you. I'm like, look at your hair. Fuck you. Your hairline. Fuck you. Where is it going? Fuck you. Your fucking nose. Fuck you. Your ears as you get older. Fuck you. Your fucking wrinkles. Fuck you. Your crow's feet. Fuck you. Your small dick. Fuck you. Your fucking belly Fuck fat. You. Where's your abs at? You do abs every day. Fuck you. Your chest where? Fuck you. Biceps where? Fuck you. I work out seven days a week. Fuck you. And yet I can't enjoy my food. 
The Rain Man Show, exclusively on Rain Man Digital. Head over to RainmanDigitalMedia.com for more details or search for it wherever you listen to podcasts. Star Wars from the back to tank. Remember, you can always find all of our discussions past, present, and in the future on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and Spotify. Just search Star Wars from the back to tank. And also be sure to leave us reviews. Give us thumbs up and share our shows because it helps. We repeat ourselves and we talk about this continually, but the more people interact with those feeds, uh, it kicks into gear. Those algorithms uh, and then more people see our shows. So please help us out. Also get more back to tank each and every single month, up to four shows additional every single month by becoming a Patreon subscriber. If you pledge $3, a minimum of $3, you pledge to that star Wars tier, you gain access to all of our additional monthly star Wars shows. So head over to patreoncom slash Rayman digital and pledge. Isn't that right, David? Absolutely. Yeah. We need we we need the money to keep the lights on here. Yep, that's true. And to keep my pants on. <laughs> Otherwise, I'm going to start stripping. <laughs> get the Twi'lek dancers around. Yeah. Or going to those gay clubs and get my dick sucked. <laughs> what? There's a market for straight men that allow, you know, gay dudes to do that to them. There is. And I've looked it up. <laughs> did I say that out loud? Yes, you did. Oops. Frank caller. All right, Dave, let's get into this. All right. So we talked a lot about mythos and world building and this novel. Now, for whatever reason, okay, uh, Kevin Scott was playing it very vague when it comes to certain things that are Star Wars canon, but a lot of it has been retconned. So now we're left with just a few instances. Uh, The idea of the force spirit and to me, the way Kevin Scott was playing it, he was doing this purposely because I, I am of the opinion that Ventress did, in fact, have the ability to commune with her dead Jedi master. OK, uh, I'm glad that I'm not alone on this boat. <laughs> OK, but the way Kevin Scott wrote it, it was left vague and up for interpretation. And I'm wondering if it's because Disney did not give him permission or I should say Lucasfilm did not give him official permission to explore that area because we know that it's very oh man it hasn't been explored in legends yes it's been explored to no end but as we know that's no longer canon that's in the little box called star wars legends that kathleen kennedy had forgotten about and um pretended it didn't existed and you have to remember he was playing it really he was playing it really careful because at this time, you're, you 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 don't want to tread on a concept that basically is tied to the Skywalker it's legacy. intrinsically tied to the Skywalker legacy, and we know that the movies are going to eventually explore it, and yes. they're going to have to expand on it in a way that we have never seen before. So I'm sure that's why Kevin Scott had to play it like this. Now, for... New people out there, maybe you're a fairly new Star Wars fan. The idea of the Force Spirit in new Star Wars canon is essentially, and I'm just going to quote Qui-Gon Jinn when he was communing with Yoda. You will learn to preserve your life force and so manifest a consciousness which will allow you to commune with the living after death. It's an ability. It's what Yoda told Obi-Wan he needed to meditate and learn Uh, during his exile more training you need more training you need now Ventress through the course of the entire radio play and yes it was a writing device to get her talking most of the narration in this was was designed so that we didn't just have narration oh there's a random voice talking about what's happening so they, Kevin Scott found creative ways to get people talking 
so that we can see what's happening in our in our mind's eye. Yeah, because you don't he didn't want to give like a voice like a film noir. Right. You know? like right. The detective narrating. Oh, the the rain the, the city is is a vile vent, uh, vile woman that needs to be explored and you know do all that over right. the top 1950s stuff. Right, and it was probably just a st- also style reasons. Of course, some radio plays out there can do that, but hey, you know what? He wanted this to feel more possibly c- cinematic, and I appreciate that. I yeah. like that he went this route. And one of those writing devices that he used was Ventress's dead Jedi master was speaking to her pretty much the entire radio play. It was basically dual characters. Whenever she was around talking, he was there too, interacting with her. Yeah, trying to help her with her investigation. And Right, and he, for the most part, was, they played it like Ventress was crazy. Like, it's her, it's her, her guilty conscience talking to her. Like, it's an, an inner voice trying to guide her because she knows what she should do. And she even said to herself various times, you're not here, you're dead. What do you know? This this is all in my head. But then there's a a moment that I will call the biggest reveal. That he was in fact there. That Ventress had the ability to commune with the dead before Qui-Gon. At least within this new Star Wars canon, right? Yes. Because before she chooses to do Dooku's evil deed, the very last evil deed. That would essentially make her his. Her old Jedi master is screaming to her not to do these things. Let me show you who this man really is. He isn't who you think he is. And her master, her old Jedi master, begins to show her in a vision everything that Dooku has done, basically. Like how bad he is. The real person, right? Yeah, what he's turned into. What he's turned into, yes. And before he can do that, Dooku interferes with the dream, <laughs> with the vision. He yes. gets inside of her mind, say, and then he takes control and shows her what her Jedi Master really was. Yes. And the things he did. And he wasn't a bad person, but he did hide some things from her. He hid a very, very big thing. I don't know if we want to actually go into No, let's not get into too much. Yeah, let's not get into spoilers it, too much. It was something that... It was very much very, tied to who she is and yeah, why she's broken. Why she's broken, yeah. It ties it very, very heavily into her origin. You understand why she ends up making the decision she does. You understand. That's how important or impactful it is to her, this reveal. Now, Dooku, in his grand mastery of manipulation, manages or manages to convince her in a vision to tell her that what she's hearing isn't real. None of this is real. This is in your head. <laughs> so he convinces her that the Jedi is not speaking to her and that he's not even there either, that this is her. So it's awesome. And it's left to our interpretation, but I'm, I have a, I'm leaning to the fact that Kevin Scott was trying to allude to the fact that this was the final moments, the deciding factor. Is this inside of her head or was this, in fact, a force spirit communing with Ventress? Yes. And I think it's pretty clear it was. I think it was, especially the way they ended it. Right. Because if he didn't have Dooku interfere with the vision, then it would have ended with us wondering, okay, maybe that was all in her head. But that last bit where Dooku interfered, he was threatened by the fake ghost if it was fake. So much so that he penetrated inside the vision, took control, and manipulated things. And manipulated things. And I think that's the re- that's the tell right there. That is the biggest tell. That it is, in fact, real. That he was a force ghost and Ventress has that ability to commune with the dead. Yeah. Which I thought was pretty fucking cool. It was cool. And, like, that last moment when Ventress is waiting for to hear her master's voice and she gets nothing was just so like uh well he so did, did, did you get the idea that he severed her connection that yes. he and his great power almost essentially banished him yeah because like the thing about the thing about dooku was That's like so fucking sinister dude yeah the thing he about banished dooku, a force spirit he's able to be like a surgeon and just sever that bond between 
Ventress and her master because he understood the one thing that ties them together was this this bond that Ventress thought she had with her master, but all he had to do was show that the bond was based on a lie. Yeah, the only thing threatening his control over her, his complete control, is this bond. Yes, and if you think about it, that's the easiest way to break someone. And then, like, I, I was like you. At first, I was, like, going... Is she is is the master actually there? And then by the end, I'm like going like you like what you assumed just as I did, which is she has the ability to actually commune with her master, which makes sense because look in in all of Star Wars, Luke does it with Obi Wan, uh, Yoda did it with Qui Gon Jinn. Qui Gon Jinn basically apparently did it to Obi Wan because like Obi Wan had to learn that freaking power. And then also you you see little tidbits in, in Star Wars lore where basically they say death is not the end for force users. I mean, look at the ending of Rise of Skywalker. Death doesn't really matter to 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 the Jedi. What happens in the end with Rey? She hears the multitude of voices of all the Jedi masters telling her that they're there. In Star Wars lore, when when I take a step back and take a look at it, I'm like, going, yeah, you we can make a very strong argument that Ventress's force power was her bond with her master, the able the ability to communicate with the dead. That was what Ventress's powers was. And if you look at Ventress as a character, putting tinfoil hat on, she's connected to the Night Sisters. Look at the Night Sisters' magic, what they're able to do. They can bring people back from the dead, a la Darth Maul. Yeah. It makes complete sense that basically her Force abilities would be tied to that one little power that the Jedi seem to know and the Sith don't. <laughs> yeah, for sure. All right, so any last bit before we close out today's discussion on the amazing Jedi Lost? One thing that basically just makes this makes this entire uh, entire piece of Star Wars mythos now so important to me is the fact that when you take it into in connection with what we know now, the bra- brand new news about the High Republic. Think of all the connections we saw and, and all the talks that we taught, they, they, they threw out there in Lost Jedi with like the Jedi, little Padawans talking about just like what you alluded to earlier, the boogeyman. Yeah. The boogeyman of, uh, of the Jedis or even some of the Sith, uh, some of the Sith uh, artifacts that they were like talking about and all the magic stuff that was going on underneath the Jedi temple. Some of that stuff I think we will be able to see in High Republic. Yeah, I'm hoping. I'm hoping because there is so many little, and I don't want to spoil things because it may sound like we spoiled a lot, but we haven't. We've we've tried uh, not to. We have been talking here for what, about almost an hour. Yeah. And we have we have scraped the tip of the iceberg. That, that's it. Because There's so much in this story. And yeah, Dave, without getting too into it, too far into it because i don't want to spoil things uh there are potential connections to the high republic without a doubt there are there are story things there are things that are set up and as we know in star wars nothing is throwaway in star wars when you set something up like here i'm gonna spend five minutes on this all right (laughs) i'm gonna walk away now never go back to it yes it does a lot for the story it does because it it's tied into later plot points but there was a lot of thought that went into that and possibly it was because Kevin Scott wanted that authenticity which I think is vital you and I both know when you're writing a story like this where there's a lot of mythos you tend to overwrite and you end up having notes and and things that never even hit the actual script or the manuscript you're writing but you know as a writer you have that background and that could very well just be the case or Kevin Scott could be putting together his his writing Bible for the High Republic since he's one of the leaders of the new upcoming Project Luminous that was revealed. Yes. One of the main leaders of that new story arc that will be spanning for a couple years now. So there are some things that I think are 
the beginning of that high Republic. Yeah. I mean, there are so many great moments where you're like, okay, well, when was this? Okay. And they even mentioned the high Republic numerous times, numerous times. So it'll be interesting to see how it all unfolds. Kevin Scott, man. Right. Dave. Uh, I, he's become one of my favorite connections to some of the new writers in star Wars now, because now that Can we have him write a couple episodes of the Mandalorian and maybe other star Wars TV shows, with that. he should be I'd writing be Obi-Wan. He should be writing Obi-Wan. Don't look anywhere else. Hire this man. <laughs> Cause they aren't, weren't they looking for new writers for Obi-Wan? Oh yeah. Here you go. Kevin Scott, raise your hand. And he's been doing, he's been writing for you already, yeah. but you're just not actually paying attention. And that's ultimately also why I feel it's important that we don't spoil anything because I really want Star Wars fans to go out there and get this audio play because get the you, book too. If you're a Star Wars fan, you got to listen to this. It's an amazing story. And then buy the book because the book will add so much more layers to it. Oh yeah. All right, Dave, give me your final thoughts because I know you're already touching on it. So just continue and my then give me thoughts. your official RMD score. Okay, my final thoughts on this. I give this first the RMD score. Okay, I haven't done it in a long time, but oh, it's 100. Jesus. Oh, my God. It's 100. Dude, <laughs> I am dead serious. You're like, I haven't done this in a long time. What, last month? <laughs> it's last month. That's a long time. <laughs> but, like, quite honestly, I will stand <laughs> on this, this hill. A long time. And you literally say, did it for the Mandalorian episode 8, I think. Yeah, that, that, that one too, but that was last month. But, like, I will stand on the hill and say, this is probably one of the best written Star Wars stories world building star wars stories that we've gotten in the last five years five years i'll say five because when you say 10 you're 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 treading on feloni and that that says a lot if you can actually do a masterful story that comes close to actually doing what feloni did with clone wars and with rebels you did a one heck of a project and you deserve to have props for doing this. And I'm really glad that uh, one of the side notes on, on Jedi lost was it was nominated for an award in last year's uh, audiobook awards. It got nominated for best audiobook of the year. It didn't win, but it was actually a finalist, which is more props to Kevin Scott. This is how good you did your project. It was it was actually nominated for a nationally accredited award. And it irritates me when I now look at it and I'm like going, Star Wars fans aren't giving this the time of day. And I'm like going, I even looked at my girlfriend who's a big Star Wars fan, and I'm saying, You need to I, I bug her about Clone Wars and Rebels, but I told I told her flat out, you have to listen to this. This is actually a fantastic Star Wars story that just reminds me of great Star Wars stories from the Legends uh, era. Yeah. And that's why it deserves a hundred. <laughs> All right, Dave. Um, God, I am so conflicted. Come on, Mike. I don't want to be too generous because it, it's going to look like I'm just fanboying over it. But All right, let me go through this out loud here. Story was great. Yes. It's a 92 for a story. No, 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 no. It's a 95% for a story. But even though I felt like the audio production was great, uh, there was a few moments throughout that were a little cheesy. Some of the overacting. And I I understand it's a radio play. But um, listen, I'm also reviewing things here. So I got to be honest. (laughs) It doesn't take you out. And it doesn't ruin anything for you. But I feel like... the director could have chosen better takes on some of those performances, not because it was bad acting, but some of it was way over the top. Uh, some of the actors had like a cowboy voice, like, hello there. Hello there. Cow Dooku. Oh, one of the Jedi masters. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, you still a Jedi knight over there. I'm like, what are you a Southern cowboy? <laughs> it was, I hate to say it, but that was one of my favorite characters too. Oh. <laughs> because, dude, it's it's that type of Star Wars schlock. No, I don't mind the Star Wars schlock. I don't mind the Star Wars B film cheese. I like that, but we get that in the prequels a lot, 
And I'm just like in this, it just some of the performances pulled me out. But that has nothing to do with Kevin Scott's writing. Yeah. So I'm going to give this a 93%. Which is really good. So I think this is definitely a must for every Star Wars fan. If it's a radio play, pop it in, you know, pop your headphones in when you're at the gym, when you're want to ignore your significant other or your kids. I mean, there's no reason for you not to listen to this. I believe it's 11 bucks right now. We'll drop the link uh, within our episode description, just in case you have not listened to it. Uh, I will also put the link for the book itself. I believe the hardcover is 18 bucks and it's well worth the purchase. It's well worth it. Yeah. So I want to thank everybody for listening to our discussion. Thank you, David. Thank you. May the force be with us. Ah, yes. (laughs) Ha, 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 ha.